Morning, church. How are we? Good. Ready for summer? Wow, like maybe a quarter ready for summer? That kind of, it's kind of lame for the rest of you. It's coming either way. Um, but welcome. We are glad that you're here. Um, if this is your first time, second time, third time with us, um, extra special welcome to you. If we can help you connect and become part of the family, um, please let us know how, and we would love to help you on that journey. Uh, for everyone else, if you've been here three times, then we're just going to call you family. That work, um, and you're just, you're just a part of it. So, um, if if you are new, uh, we don't normally have plastic across the back, um, but we have we have. It's exciting news. There are holes in that back wall right now. Um, they they have begun the takedown process, and it's such a process that. The, the building is actually closed next week when they begin to take down the wall because they're not sure if the building's going to come down. <laughs> so we walk by faith, right? So uh, we're going to take down the wall. Um, but the, the wall is coming out here. If you came in and you ran into the tech booth, we apologize. Um, we had to move it over. That back wall's coming out, and they're going to build the new tech booth where the wall's going to be. And so a bunch of changes going on. Bear with us. We're about four to six weeks, roughly four to eight weeks, somewhere in there on this part of it. So how this looks next week, I don't know. Um, but apparently it's the black plastic. So, but is it going to be windy? I don't know. Um, there will be a hole in the wall. So, uh, there we go. Um, but Welcome. We are diving in today um, into our summer series called Retro Soul, and I'll explain more of that in a minute. But if you're sitting here wondering, this is the sermon we're going to start. So um, notepads, whatever you need, um, Bibles, we we are going to dive in. But let me pray for us, and then we'll start. God, we are so grateful for you today. Thank you that we can declare that there is a God who is alive and well today. Thank you that we can celebrate today the God who changes us from the inside out today. Thank you that we get to come into this time and this space. And God, we know um, that you know what we carry in here. We know the heaviness of heart. We know the failures. We know um, success. We know all of it. We know that you know all of it. And so, God, we lay it in front of you and we ask that you would speak. God, speak to our inmost being today. Translate the words through your spirit. Give us what we need because you're a good and gracious God. And so we trust you today. And everybody said, amen. So I don't know if you had this experience growing up. Um, I definitely did. Um, when I was 16 years old, roughly, um, there was this band called Guns N' Roses. Okay, okay, a few fans, a few fans. Um, so Guns N' Roses... For me, for me the, the first thing was music resonated with my soul at 16-year-old John's age level. Um, but there's another piece of Guns N' Roses that happened to me that I didn't intend to happen, but just naturally happened because it's the way God designs us. Um, but that there were moments when I found myself imitating what I thought was cool. I found myself following the band members and, and beginning to imitate stuff that they did or stuff that they liked. Or, and so there was this natural progression of I imitated and I copied something that was in front of me, um, which the part I didn't plan on, that changed my soul. 
and I became more like them. The, the idea behind our summer series of retro soul is, is something that is retro. Um, you, you are imitating, you are imitating or copying something from the past. So for example, retro style would be, there's a certain style of clothing in the past and you are deciding to dress retro and you are imitating or copying that style of clothing. There's actually retro appliances who knew, right? So you can, you can turn your kitchen into a seventies kitchen. Why? We don't know, but you can, right? It is a part of the journey. Um, but, but you can have a retro kitchen. And, and so um, you can have retro guitars. You can have retro cars. You can have retro TVs. Like the list goes on and on because all retro means is that we're taking this from the past and we're copying it into the present. And so for us, we want to be a group of people over the summer that anchor our souls back. Um, We want to be people whose souls are these retro, we are imitators, copiers in our soul of the Old Testament. People from the Old Testament, journeys from the Old Testament, faith steps from the Old Testament. And so the reality is what we're hoping happens over the summer is that we actually bolster our faith by looking at heroes of the faith or stories where God journeyed with people. And we actually go, I want my soul to imitate or copy that. And so that's, that's the idea behind retro soul. We're going to dive in this morning to second Kings chapter five. If you have a Bible, um, you can follow along there. Um, if you have a physical Bible, it's about a third way into the book. But we are going to dive into a story about a dude named Naaman, and it's his journey. And then we're going to dive into another story. And then um, I have good news. All of the wiring works, so we should have worship at the end. So um, we will end on worship. And is that okay? You guys good? All right. The other people, the three quarters that weren't excited about summer, we a little more excited now, like summers. Okay. Um, Now, Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master. So so his master is who? The king of Aram. Naaman is the guy we're following. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Okay, first thing about this entire story today, it creates tension. Every single way you turn, it creates tension. And maybe just something to grasp up front is that it's often in tension that we actually grow the most. That if God removed all of the tension from our lives, um, we, we really have nothing that rubs and we have, we have nothing that, that is causing friction, then often we won't grow. And so the idea is that in the story, you're going to find over and over that tension is created. The first tension that's created in here is that it says that he is a great man, that Naaman is a great man. Okay, great man in the original is way cooler. It sounds like Ish Gadol, right? So here we go. Everybody's going to say it on the count of three. One, two, three. Ish Gadol. Okay, so he is an Ish Gadol. He is a great man. And you only became an Ishgadol by accomplishing great things in your life. So, so in this case, when it says he's a great man, it's because of the accomplishments that he has. And then it also goes on to say that he was a valiant soldier, which that's like the champion of champions when it comes to soldiers, right? So, so he is a champion. He's an Ishgadol and he is a champion, but here's the tension. But he had leprosy. 
He had a skin disease that was going to eat away at him and slowly kill him, take his limbs and then slowly kill him. And he would be placed outside because of the way the story goes. We don't believe he's been placed outside yet, but he now has this tension of he's a great man. He's a warrior. He's a champion. But, but he's got leprosy. And so there's a tension instantly created for us. Okay. Now, I want you to understand, right? I want you to get it, because if, if we miss parts of the background, um, it's hard to follow. So I drew you a map. Not quite a Pastor Mike map, but it's a map. Um, okay, here's how it works. This line right here, on this side, you have the Mediterranean Sea. You have the L for Lebanon. You have an A for Aram, which we just heard about. The, the Naaman lives where? He lives in... Aram, and he is a commander in the army for the king of Aram. So, so Aram is here and I is Israel, right? And so Aram today would be modern day Syria, just to give you geographical um, location. But Aram specifically followed the God of Ramon. And so when we talk about Aaron, we're talking about that they believe there was a deity, there was a God who controlled the area of Ammon. Or Arman, right? So, so this area is controlled by a local deity. Lebanon would have had a local deity, but Israel, they were doing something new. The Israelites were claiming that Yahweh was God, right? That there was one God and his name was Yahweh and he was everywhere and he owned everything and he was for everybody. So, so, so in this, now you have a tension created that they believe in local deities and they believe in a God who's over all. And so Aram and Israel are at war. They're going back and forth. So if we jump back to the first verse again. There's something in here. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given victory to who? Hold up. That's the enemy. If you're you're reading the Bible, the Bible is based around the nation of Israel that were God's people, right? This says specifically that God was giving Naaman, the Lord had given victory to Aram through, through Naaman. So, so God is giving victory to the enemy. Okay, first thing for your retro soul, if you're a note taker, here you go. The retro soul believes that God is the writer of the story, even when it looks like the enemy is winning. The retro soul believes that God is the author. He is the one writing the page of your story, even when it looks like the enemy is winning. Even when it looks like the enemy is taking ground, the retro soul believes, no, no, no. I know who the author of the page is. I know the person that is writing the story. I know that he is good. And I know that this will work out for good, even though right now it looks like the enemy is winning. Next verse. Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out, so, so they've left Aram, and taken captive a young girl from Israel. So from Aram, they've gone down to Israel, they've taken this young girl, and she served Naaman's wife, so the commander's wife. The, the, the word young girl in the, in the original is, is little maiden. And the reason that's significant is it talks about stature, it talks about um, who she is, that she was young, but she was also small. Um, so she's taken captive. She's removed from her space and she serves Naaman's wife. Notice the next verse. She said to her mistress, Naaman's wife, 
If only my master, if only Naaman would see the prophet who is in Samaria. Samaria is in Israel. So if only, the, if only Naaman would go down to Israel, and when he gets down there, he would cure him of his leprosy. Who, whose interest does she have in mind? Her master's, right? Okay, let, let's paint her picture a little bit more. She was kidnapped, taken against her will. She's a forced slave. She's isolated from everything she knows. She's, she's been separated from her family. And she's now required to serve. But in the midst of her own circumstances, she's still living out the belief that God can heal, my God can heal, and, and my God can heal you who are my enemy. It is in her best interest to let the disease run its course. Which brings us to our second point on the retro soul. That the retro soul, the retro soul, just like this young girl, trusts God even when the circumstances don't make sense. He trusts God with, I'm in the middle of this and I don't understand it, I don't like it, I didn't choose it, but I ended up here. But I'm going to choose to trust the God that I know to be good, even though I don't understand this and I don't like it. I'm going to choose to love him still. And I'm going to choose to look outward and go, man, I might be in the middle of my enemies and I'm still going to love them because that's what God's called me to. Then maybe one of the best lessons, because if you're a Bible buff, okay, so Daniel, everybody like tweaks out about Daniel, right? Everybody's so excited about Daniel because he went to a foreign nation and stood his ground. Not, not playing that down at all. Daniel is phenomenal. But can I tell you that maybe this young girl that we miss so often is just as much a pillar in the faith as Daniel was because she was in a foreign country all alone. Daniel had friends. And she chose, she chose, she chose. She chose to not let her circumstances determine her trust. What determines your trust today? Is it when everything goes good? Because I got news for you. I don't know who told you that when you meet Jesus, it gets better. When you meet Jesus, you become a target for an enemy who is roaring lion, the Bible says. I don't know if you got given a message of, man, just meet Jesus and everything's real. Um, that's not been my journey, even in the slightest. But what has happened to me is I am a much better man today because of the Jesus I met. I'm a lot closer to the character and nature of God today than I was before I began this journey. But that hasn't come through ease and, and, and circumstances. And so what are you trusting today? Where are you following? Okay, we've got to move. Next verse. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl said. So he goes back and he goes, hey, I've heard there's this, this prophet in, in Israel that could, could heal. Uh, from Israel, he had said, next verse. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. Okay, there's something you need to know about the king of Aram, okay? So Aram, remember we talked about at the start, Aram has its own gods, and those gods, they, they control that region, so to speak. So Ramon is the god that controls Aram. The king of Aram, his name is Ben-Hadad. Ben means son. Hadad is another translation of Ramon. So his name, his, his physical name means the son of Ramon. Essentially, a.k.a. the son of who? Son of God. Because they believe Ramon to be God. 
So the king of Aram is actually put, it was believed that from, a, from their perspective that the king of Aram was a living representation of who Ramon was, which he was the god of thunder, which later Zeus became in the Greek side, became Zeus. But, but he was the god in this moment that they declared, right, that, that the king was a physical representation on earth of this god, Ramon. And so now he says, so the, the son of Ramon replied, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, t- taking with him 10 talents of silver, which is 700 pounds of silver, and 6,000 shekels of gold, which is 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. Just, just a little bit. Next. He's a light packer. The letter that he took to the king of Israel, so this is from the king of Aram, from the son of Ramon, a.k.a. son of God of that area, he takes a letter. With his, this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. Okay, hold up. The king of Aram, the son of Ramon, is declaring what about the god Ramon? He can't heal this. Okay, that's tension if I've ever heard it. Because you're the living representation of this God and you're going, ah, yeah, he's, he's got nothing. So when the letter arrives to the king of Israel, the king of Israel is the representation of God in character and nature and how he leads. And, and so the, the, the king of Israel, right, he's proclaiming the one true God, Yahweh, who we follow. Like he's saying, God can do anything. He's in all, he's for all, right? So you would expect a response from the king in this moment to go something like this. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, I am, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me, which at this response, we all go try the decaf. (laughs) It will help you. Okay, hold up. The pagan God is saying, hey, go there because you'll get healed. The king of Israel is going, why are you sending him to me? What can I, I I got nothing. Enter another character. Next verse. When Elisha, the man of God, okay, we talked about prophets a couple of weeks ago, but Elisha is a prophet of God. He speaks on behalf of God, meaning he could show up and go, this is what God says, and it was God speaking. Um, so, So the man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes. He sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel, a.k.a. what he's saying is, have the man come to me, he will get healed, and the whole world will know that God is the God of Israel. Okay, retro soul, your retro soul, your retro soul believes, anchored, is seen in how you circle your whole life around this thought that your purpose on the planet is to make God known. That's it. You want to know why you're here? It's not a long book. I could write it. It's going to be a page with several letters or several words. Your purpose is to make God known, period. 
When you go to work, when you step into this space, when you go here, whatever God has called your hand to, wherever he's called your hand to, they should see you and see that there is a God in heaven who is alive and well because your job is to be a billboard to point to him to go, there's a God. That's it. That's what life is about. And, and if you're here and you're like, oh man, I was hoping for something more. Sorry, that's, that's it. The man of God declares, he goes, hey, have him come to me. Why? So that the whole world will know is essentially what he's saying. That there is a God where? In Israel and he's alive and well. Same concept applies to us that when people see you, they should see Jesus. Every single time. Next verse. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Oh, okay. Okay, we got to build it. You ready? Um, Elisha's a prophet. He's poor. He probably lives in a shed. Okay, so, so let's, let's, let's role play for a minute, okay? I'm Elisha, and I'm living in a shed in my backyard, right? You are Naaman, and you come to visit. You roll up in a tank, right? So I'm in my shed, you're in a tank, um, you, or, or another picture is you come with an aircraft carrier right up to my door. You, you land the Black Hawk in my backyard right next to it, blowing stuff off the roof because it's all just flying at that point. That's the picture that's given here. The horses and chariots were the weapons of the day. He's rolling up with all his weapons. Why? Because he's an Ishkadol. He's rolling up and going, I am a great man. He's rolling into town. By the way, how do you transport 700 pounds of silver? Right? Somebody earlier goes, I'll figure it out. Um, right? But, but how do you transport? Like, like, he wasn't just alone. It wasn't just one chariot. It, it's horses and what? Chariots. He's rolling up with tanks and Humvees and helicopters and aircraft carriers. And, and catch, the, catch the funny part of this. Elisha's in a shed. But Naaman's coming and going, I have power and I got wealth beyond what you can imagine. He's rolling up with who he is and all his might and all his splendor and all his glory. <laughs> Look what happens. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him. Elisha sent a messenger. Okay, hang on. He's in a shed. Okay, like the tank's right there. I can see, hey, you know. But he goes, hey, Clyde, go, go tell him. He doesn't even go out of his house. Sorry, his shed. This guy's rolled up with everything he is. Look how great I am. And Elisha's, uh-huh, Clyde, go talk to him. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan. Go wash yourselves, how many times? Seven times in the Jordan. And you're, okay, don't miss this. Your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. That's a guarantee that if you go and do this, then the outcome will be this. If you go and step into that, into the water seven times, you will be healed. You will be cleansed. What, what did Naaman go there for? To be healed. He's telling him exactly what he wants to hear. He's telling him exactly why he went and what he's there for. He goes, hey, go, go wash and, and you're good, man. Next verse. 
But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me. Why? Because I'm an ish gadol and I showed up with my tanks, right? And stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and wave his hand over the spot and cure me in my life. There would at least be a show. Come on, I'm Naaman. God will at least show up and do something exciting. Um, for your retro soul, don't miss the miracle because of the method. Okay, that's tweetable right there. You better be writing it down. Don't miss the miracle because of the method. He's guaranteed healing. He's guaranteed that if he does this, He's, he's going to be healed. He's going to be cleansed. And what happens is he's now angry. He's going away angry because the method didn't match up with what he thought would bring the miracle. Can I say, I don't know how you came in here today. I don't know why you're here, but I would dare say a, a good wager is you know something's missing in your life. You know you're not all that you should be. You know you're still on a journey. Some of you may not even have started that journey. Some of you may have been invited. You're like, oh, I thought I was going somewhere else, but we ended up here. Um, well, I got news for you. The person that brought you thinks you need to be here. So whatever that means. Um, but reality is this. We're all sitting in a room because on some level we're going, man, we're lacking we need help. We need healing. We need to be better. We need to grow. We need to be more like Jesus, whatever it happens to be. And a lot of times we sit in a room and you know what happens? We miss the miracle that's been promised because we don't like the method it comes in. So let's just start with meeting Jesus, okay? So Jesus decides to stretch out his arms and die and conquer death. Once and for all, death is done. By the way, did you know that? The tomb is empty. Death is done. Death doesn't exist anymore. When we talk about you died, you didn't die. Death is done away with. There is no death. The cross conquered death. But the path to the cross, the path to understanding and meeting Jesus comes through a very humble what way called surrender. And surrender means that I leave all of my power and all of my wealth and anything that I think defines me. I leave it all. And I come humbly and naked to a cross and go, I got nothing, you got everything. That's humility. What, what is Naaman lacking at this point? Humility, right? Next verse. Are not Abana... And Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel. So he's, he's still like, he's angry and he's going, man, we have better rivers at home. He had a good reason for this. Look at the picture. This is believed to be the Jordan in that area. That's just dirty. You're going to be dirtier when you wash in there than when you come out, right? Like this is just reality. It's a dirty river. So, so the, the, the thought process for him is, hey, I got clean rivers at home. Why not one of them? They're even better than this. He's still posturing. He's still in his pride of who he is and what he has Let's go back to the verse. Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage because the method didn't match what he wanted for his miracle. Next verse. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My, okay, okay, hang on. Who goes to him? Servants are what? Lowly. They're humble. The servants come to him and they go, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? 
How much more than when he tells you wash and be cleansed? He's going, he's going, I don't get it, man. If he would have told you to do something spectacular, you'd be all in. But he told you to go wash and you're like, oh, man. Next verse. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan. How many times? Seven, Seven times. How many times did God tell him? Seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. A young boy. Can I tell you that the cross guaranteed your healing? Can I tell you that the cross guaranteed your freedom? Can I tell you that the cross guarantees grace and mercy? Can I tell you that the cross did away with the law? Can I tell you that spiritually you are set free? But here's the thing, that journey, that journey, you meet Jesus and then that journey has to become a reality. Everything that he says you are has to become a reality in your life. You know how that becomes a reality? 1,000 steps of obedience. And that's a random number. There might be more in your case. Might be less. But it's 1,000 steps of obedience. He had seven. I believe that we have a thousand steps of obedience that every time I take one step of obedience into what God has asked me to do, I get one step further from who I'm not supposed to be. Every time you decide to take a step forward, what happens is in your soul, this growth takes place, this transformation takes place. Why? Because when you say no to whatever that is, and I say yes to what God has called me to, and I take, say yes to the obedience in front of me, I put distance between what the enemy wants me to be and what God calls me to be. And those steps aren't easy. You ever hike? I'm not a hiker, even in the slightest. But I know this, I don't hike because it's hard. I don't like climbing up things to get to the top of the mountain. That's just not me. But you know what's interesting on a hike? If the hike was a thousand steps and you get walking and you're at step 597 and you trip, where do you get up? Step one or step 597? Stop letting the enemy lie to us, church. Just because you trip on your journey does not mean you go all the way back to who you were when you started. You've been set free from that and the journey has separated you from that. So you get back up and you tell the enemy, I am not who I was. And you stand up and you begin to walk on the thousand step journey that God has in front of you to freedom because he desires for you, for your skin to be clean like that of a young boy. Next verse. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. Okay, he rolls up with the tanks again, basically. He stood before him and said, now I know, now I know, catch this, now I know this is, this is the guy from Aram. This is the guy that believed in Ramon, right? Ramon was God. Now I know that there is no God. He's shattering worldviews. He's saying, that's not true anymore. Some of you today need to shatter worldviews. Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from me. This is revolutionary. He's saying, I, I know the way we think. I know how we've thought of the world. It's not true. There's only one God. And how do I know? I went to a river and I dipped. And look at my skin. It's like that of a young boy. You know what's fascinating? He would go back to where? He'd go back to um, Aram. And he'd go back to his job. What did people do when they saw him? Ooh, your skin is like that of a young boy. Right? <laughs> And what would he say? He'd go, let me tell you about the God of Israel. I got in this river seven times because he told me to. And look it, 
You know what I believe? That when you meet Jesus for real, for the, for the first time, you don't have to tell anybody. Because you just start to live and they're like, man, something different about you. Your skin is like that of a young boy, right? They start to look at you and go, it doesn't make sense. You're a different person. When you get on that journey, the thousand step journey, and you begin to walk and you begin to deny what's here, what, what are old habits, and you begin to step forward, I believe that God meets you there and I believe he transforms you and people see you and they're like, what's happening to you? Whatever you got, I want some of. That's how it works. And that's in this case, he now goes back and goes, hey, I got this skin of a young boy. Can I give you something? Here, here, take 700 pounds of silver. Next verse. The prophet answered, as surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept the thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. Next verse. If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry. For your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other God but the Lord. He's, he's going, hey, can I, he, can I give you something? Take some money. Take some money. And the prophet's like, I don't want nothing. And he goes, okay, can I have some dirt? I'm like, wait, what? At this time, it was believed that where the God, God's presence was of that region, that dirt was holy ground. That that dirt was sacred. So he's collecting dirt from Israel to take to Aram to build an altar. Why? Because the dirt was considered sacred. And he's going to worship. Catch this. This is where his worship lies. Burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other God but who? The Lord. His worship is soul focused. It's on God alone. And what he's saying is, can I have a piece of dirt to help me stand on? This is old habits. This is old habits. This is old beliefs. There's another one that shows up. Next verse. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. He's talking to the prophet. When my master, when the king... Um, the son of Ramon enters the temple of Ramon to bow down. He is leaning on my arm and I have to bow there also. When I bow down in the temple of Ramon, may the Lord forgive your, what is this? Huh? What is this posture? He's humble. He's humble because you have to know this. The greatest battle we have in our life is our pride. And the number one thing that will stop you meeting Jesus or stop you living for God is your own pride. And he comes and he goes, I am your servant for this. And essentially what he's saying is I'm going to go back to my job. Where is he from? He's from Aram. What does he do? He serves the king. And when the king goes into the temple to worship Ramon, he goes, hey, guess what's going to happen? When I get there and, and, and the king's leaning on me, it's going to force me to bow as well. And, and I'm bowing now to a false god. Will, will God forgive me for that? I want dirt to make an altar. He still doesn't fully get every detail. I'm going to have to bow in the temple of Ramon and, and look at Elisha's response. Go in peace. The prophet, the one who speaks on behalf of God, knowing this man was going back to a temple where there would be compromise and tension and, and all kinds of things he would face. He looks at him and he tells him, he essentially gives him a blessing to go in peace. Can I tell you that the modern church wouldn't respond this way often? You ever notice that when someone gets saved and they're stuck, they're going back to their old job because that's their job. We're like, oh, you, you know, you sure shouldn't work for that company because blah, 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 blah. Or you shouldn't have, if that job creates that tension, you shouldn't. Can I tell you that, that what Elisha's doing here is he's sending him back to the gray. Why? 
because he knows his heart and heart is far more important than dirt. He knows his heart and he knows where his worship lies. If you know your heart and you know where worship lies, don't fear the gray. The Lord actually needs you to show up in that space. Can you imagine walking into the temple of Ramon with skin like that of a young boy? Can you imagine? He's a walking billboard for what? The God of Israel is bigger than who? Ramon. And while I'm here doing my job, it doesn't mean that my worship is declared here. Your retro soul, by the way, can declare worship even in the temple of Ramon. I don't know what your temple is. I don't know what your struggle is. I don't know where God's got you that you're, you're constantly in tension and struggling with compromise. I don't know what that looks like for you, but can I set you free today that you can go and you can stand in the temple of Ramon and still worship the living God? That you don't have to separate yourself from the world, but in the world, you need to learn how to worship within that. Here's what I mean. Last thing and then we're done. John chapter four. Sir, so this is a story. Jesus goes to a well and a conversation breaks out between the woman and Jesus, right? And in that context, the woman said to Jesus, I can see that you're a prophet. Next verse. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in the Jerusalem. Okay, hold up. She's talking about dirt. She's going, okay, our ancestors say that dirt's holy because that's where our God is. You're saying that dirt's holy because that's where you, it's the same question thousands of years later. Or 800 and some later, right? Next verse. Jesus' response, woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem because it goes on to say what? We worship in spirit and in truth. The truth sets you free from dirt. We worship in the spirit. You need to know something today that the Holy Spirit lives in you. Guess what that means? Wherever you step, if the Holy Spirit is in you, wherever you step, it's holy ground. Why? Because God is there. That when you go to whatever space of work you go to tomorrow or, or whatever day you go to work, when you step in that space, it is holy ground. Why? Because the spirit of the living God is inside of you and you are stepping on that ground, which means that worship happens. When you get home, worship happens. Why? Because the spirit of God is there in you. You were made to be a worshiper. I don't know what you think of our grand karaoke in here, but sometimes it's, it's words on the screen. We all sing along. It's like corporate karaoke, right? But we're going to worship and here's why. Here's why. Yes, it's absolutely holy ground. But here's, here's the reality. We want you to be bolstered up for the week ahead so that you can worship everywhere you go. We want you to be anchored back in. We want your soul to be built up. We want you to be challenged. And, and, and as you declare words about God, we want them to burn on your hearts. We want it to be the last thing. Why? Because when you leave here into whatever your temple of Ramon is, it might be your family, that that's the space where it's constant compromise and struggle. That might be it. But when you get there, we want you to worship just like you do here. Why? Because this space isn't sacred. It's all sacred before God. And we want your retro soul to declare worship in your temple of Ramon this week. We want your soul to show the skin of a young boy 
everywhere you go. And so we're going to do that through worship. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing. So God, we come before you today. And God, hopefully we have a whole new perspective of who you are. Hopefully we've seen you in some way and that that seeing you has changed something about us. God, hopefully we've got a glimpse that you're the God that can accomplish anything and do anything. You're the God even in circumstances when the enemy's claiming victory that we can stand and we can have trust. Because you're the God that's writing the story. God, would you help us this week to declare worship in our temples of Ramon that we are in in the world. Whether that be um, groups, schools, God, whether that be colleges, whether that be summer schools, whatever that looks like, and whether it be home, God, whether it be work, God, would we, we declare worship to you can happen there. And so, God, we pray over the room. We pray over those that are struggling with the method today. God, they've been missing the miracle, and it's all to do with the method. Would you allow them to humble themselves and catch the miracle today? Would there be a place of surrender in this room as we sing, as we lift our voices and we declare the God that you are, how great you are. Would God, would you infuse in us and burn in us a passion to be bolstered up, we pray. God, we surrender these moments to you. You know what our week holds. Give us what we need. And everybody said, amen.